Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Also, I want to point this out to you. There's a You have two different type of Bibles in your, in your pews, um, and the, the blue Bible uh, if you don't have a Bible at home, um, or if you would like to grab one and snag one for someone else, um, these are for you to take. And if, if you know any, um, any folks that are uh, Hispanic, we have some uh, Spanish-speaking Bibles out on the table out there for you to take home to somebody. Um, and just we want to bless you. Our God is a generous God, and we firmly believe that we want to be generous with the Word of God. And so uh, feel free to snag those. No questions asked, feel free to take it. We're, we're appreciative of you being here. And so welcome to Wapak Naz. You have come on a good day because it is Resurrection Sunday. Um, it is a good Sunday. And uh, in fact, every Sunday is a good Sunday. So uh, what you see here is what you get, man. Uh, this, is, this is who we are each and every Sunday. Um, we don't try to pull any punches or, or do anything different than what we normally do. We're praising the Lord and the Savior and the resurrection of Jesus Christ every single Sunday. And it's something every day. Uh, actually, scriptures are up there on the screen for you if you want to pull the Bibles out and go ahead and turn to those or pull out your phone or your iPad or your scrolls, whatever you have. Those are going to be where we're landing. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4 and Ephesians 2, 1-10. Um, and then Easter Sunday, I, I, I shared with Sandy this morning, it's like, I feel like every Easter Sunday, I'm way off. You've got 52 Sundays a year, right? And pastors are supposed to have their A game for Easter Sunday because this is the crowd that you probably won't see every Sunday, right? We do meet here every Sunday, just so that you're aware. We love to see you again because you're important. But uh, I, I, was, I, I was sharing with uh, some of my employees, you know, we, we, I have to write a sermon. And one of our employees said, well, isn't it the same message every year? Well, you're right. It is the same message every year. This message hasn't changed. It's been almost 2,000 years. Almost, I said, because it hasn't been 2,000 years yet been almost 2,000 years, and this message hasn't changed. In 2021, when messages continually shift and shape, we have had a year and a half, almost, where we have been inundated by so many different types of messages. We're not sure if the messages are clear. We're not sure if those messages are going to change from day to day or newscast to newscast. The media shapes messages according to their own agenda and narrative. Politicians do the same thing. And it's really funny how both of them think that the other one's in their back pocket, right? We also tell ourselves so many different messages. 
In fact, you, right now, in the last minute, you had about 31 different thoughts in your head. And probably 30 of those were, is he done yet? No, not yet. We just started. But on average, you have 31 different thoughts per minute. And over the course of your day, 70% of those thoughts are negative. And more often than not, we tell ourselves things that we want to believe when it's not the reality. Messages. They change all the time. Science. It's the thing. But science continually shifts and changes and shapes from day to day because science continually questions itself as it should. That's what science is. But in a world full of messages that are changing over and over, this message, it stills the same message that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, fully man, fully human, walked across the cosmos, came down in the most vulnerable way possible, a baby, lived a sinless life, surrendered himself on the cross for the forgiveness of sins of humanity and didn't leave it there. He rose from the dead three days later. He didn't leave it there. He went to the right hand of the Father 40 days later. He didn't leave it there. Ten days later at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down and God dwelled in humanity. And he didn't leave it there because when you flip to the very end of the story, all the way into the last chapter of the Bible, in the last few words, if your Bible's like mine, it's red. That way I know which ones are Jesus' words so I don't get confused. But he says, yes, I am coming soon. The message hasn't changed. The message hasn't changed in all of these years. So I want to ask you a question. If you had the power to change one thing in the world, just one, can't change it all. If you had the power to change one thing in the world, what would you change? Think about it for a second. Power to change one thing in the entire world. What would you change? So, something that we've added just recently you get to actually talk in church. Yes, you do. Yay. So what I'd like for you to do is in your units that you're in or in the pews that you're in, um, I'd like for you to answer this question. It doesn't take long. Just share with the other person what you would change in the world if you could change one thing. And honestly, share a little bit as, as to why. So I've given you a topic, so now discuss. A little verklempt. <laughs> change one thing, what would you change? If you had the power to change one thing, what would you change? I see some people not talking. <laughs>
So, let's come back together. If you had the power to change one thing in the world, what would you change? My guess is that there are some of you that would probably change the issue of hunger. That every individual, young and old, would have food. How many actually said that? Well, wow, I stand a fool. Did you really? I stand alone. Poverty. Poverty. How many of you would say, yes, if I had the power to change one thing in the world, poverty would be one of those things? Wow, I, I've got one. Thank you. Oh, I feel so better, so much better. Hate. How many, in, in all its forms, all its forms, hate. If you had the power to change one thing in the world, you would say, hate. Wow. I'm, I'm really scared at the rest of you who haven't raised your hands what you would change, like, I don't know, flying cars? That would be really cool. Um, water. If everybody had pure, clean water to drink. No. Violence in any shape or form. Violence and abuse. How many of you said yes? We'll have a discussion later because I'm really curious what, what you said. Did any of you say the human heart? There you go. If you had the power to change one thing in the entire world, it would be the human heart. The human heart since the beginning of humanity has been the root of all the issues. Whether it's hate, racism, segregation, poverty, the human heart has been the issue. From the garden with Adam and Eve to just one generation below them, with Cain and Abel. The human heart has been the issue for humanity since time began. Since they chose, Adam chose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when he could have eaten from all the other trees in the garden, including the tree of life. The human heart has been the issue through history it is the issue behind war it is the issue behind lust and porn it is the issue behind racism and hate and violence all of the other issues just scratch the surface they just scratch the surface the human heart has been the issue the whole time. And when Jesus Christ himself, when Joseph was told, hey buddy, you're going to have a kid and you haven't even had relations with her yet, congratulations. When you do have them, 
You're to name him Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Sin is not a popular word today. I understand it. I get it. It makes us feel like we've done something wrong or we've been in the wrong. We feel guilty and we feel shame. But that is not at all why Jesus Christ came. Any one of us sitting in this room or listening knows that we have probably done something to someone that we should not have done or to our own self. Jesus Christ came to save his people from their sins. The message has been the same. It has not changed one bit. It has been consistent throughout these last several or couple thousand years. It has been the same message. Jesus Christ came. He lived a sinless life. And when death thought it had the victory, when the religious elite, those that were full of religion, turned the wheels of murder and execution, and they thought their enemy was defeated, Jesus, the one who would actually bring them peace, when they thought he was done for, when death and the devil thought it was over and his victory had been won, when everybody in the movement thought the movement was over, God raised Christ from the dead. You know, it's really easy. It's really easy to believe that Jesus Christ of Nazareth himself died on the cross. It's really easy to believe that this man, fully human, died. It's really easy to believe that there was a bunch of politicians that were manipulated by the powerful and religious elite, those puppeteers. It's really easy to believe that that ended in somebody's death. It's really easy to believe that those puppeteers manipulated things so much so that an innocent man was arrested on bogus charges that an innocent man was tried and falsely accused with false witnesses brought in the room to make those false accusations it's really easy to believe that that led to an innocent man's death that he was tried found guilty for something he didn't do was put on death row it's really easy to believe that it's really easy to believe that the religious puppeteers also manipulated the masses who they had their ear so that they chose to have the release of a guilty insurrectionist and murderer and an imprisonment of an innocent man. It's really easy to believe that. It's really easy to believe 
that the soldiers and the centurion went ahead with the orders that were passed down from their superiors to execute with precision. It's really easy to believe that many of them enjoyed the brutality and the horror. It's really easy to believe that. It's really easy to believe that many of his own followers didn't even show up. And that the commoner mocked and ridiculed him for everything he stood for. It's really easy to believe that, especially in 2021. But what's hard to believe and what actually costs us the most is to believe that Jesus Christ of Nazareth was the Son of God who actually chose to suffer. Who actually chose to surrender his life for the forgiveness of sins. That costs something. It costs something to believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that his death was an expression of God's love for all of humanity. Yes, and that includes you. And that it was for the express purpose to redeem humanity, to change the human heart, to shift it, to transform it. It costs something to believe that Jesus Christ was not only dead and buried, but that by the power of God, three days later, he rose from the dead. That costs us something, and resurrection changes everything. It changes it all, but the message stays the same. It hasn't changed. Culture can't change it. The media can't change it. Politicians can't change it. We can't change it. It stays the same. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on by which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to what I preached. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins to change the human heart according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And we flip over to Ephesians. The story doesn't end there. The story doesn't end there. As for you, as for you and me, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. But, oh, that's a good but. That's a great conjunction. I probably need to edit that but out. But still, it's a good one. But because of his great love for us, you're a part of us. You are a part of us, not just one person. Jesus Christ came, not to save the righteous, but the unrighteous. I'd be at the front of the line, folks. 
save the unrighteous, the sinner. He loved us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Us, you're a part of us. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works. It's not religion, folks. You can't do it. It's been done for you on your behalf. It's not about doing done. And man, I've talked to so many people who grew up. who were lashed out at because of what they did and what they didn't do. It's not about what you do and what you don't do. It's about what has been done for you and me by Christ on the cross. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't good it with whatever good you do. You can't get it. It is a gift of God for you to receive. And he continues, not by works so that no one can boast for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Saved by faith through grace, not by works so that we are saved by grace through faith to do good works. Folks, it's not about do and don't do. It's all about what's been done for you on behalf of you by Christ on the cross. Praise the Lord. And we are made alive in that. So this morning I want to share with you, um, I'd ask uh, Jay and his sis to come on up. Jay and Jessica, would you mind coming on up? I've asked Jay and Jessica to, to share a little bit of their story um, of how the resurrection and actually how Jesus Christ himself has changed everything. I might have to move these out a little bit. <laughs> I don't blame you. The microphones are there. We've got white and red, um, Kevin. And so here's some water for you if you get a little parched. Um, I know, it's, it's a little wobbly, like my legs. Um, well, if, if, if you haven't met Jess and, and Jay, say hi, Jess and Jay. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. 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 So um, I want to start with you, Jessica. Um, you, it's been about four years since you started here at Wapak Naz. Um, and you, so well, actually, let me, let, me, let me back up real quick. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I actually asked the congregation one of those little discussion questions that you guys did earlier. Good job, by the way. Um, but I asked you, what was the most courageous thing that you have done? And Jess, you share with me at Life Group what, I mean, you turned to your brother and you guys started talking. So can you share that just real quick, what you guys? He asked us that question and mine was walking in that church that day. Can you hear me? There you there go. We go. You'll have to hold it right <laughs> 
was walking into church that day with my two little girls. I just, it took everything I had. I knew it was going to change my life, and it did. That was the courageous thing I did. That's the courageous thing. Yeah. And what about you? I actually answered the exact same way. Seriously. <laughs> but the, the following week, you asked the riskiest, I think it was. Yeah. And uh, I think the riskiest thing I did was walking. Yes. The courageous thing was I shared my story before. Yeah. You know, so that, yeah. that was courageous of me. So. Yeah. so for you, the most courageous thing was walking in these doors on a Sunday morning. And for you, the riskiest thing was walking in these doors on a Sunday morning. And I, I honestly don't know if, if, if a lot of people understand that. That walking into a church on a Sunday morning, it takes a lot of courage if you haven't been in here for years or weeks or decades or ever. That's the most riskiest, courageous thing you can do. And, and many of you this morning, it is Easter Sunday, but you took a risk for coming here. And I just want to applaud you because we're to be the biggest risk takers. Christians are supposed to be the biggest risk takers on the entire earth. So thank you for taking the risk. And, and Jess, it was, it was about four years that you came in here. Yeah, roughly four years. Yeah. Uh, can you briefly describe life before um, Jesus? crazy, like just up in an uproar, it was, I don't know, just content, like, I don't, one content, it was more like, I didn't know where I was going, I was just kind of lost, just kind of living day to day, doing what needed to be done, take care of my family, but I really had not a whole lot of meaning to it, there was just day by day. And y you had, you had shared that you were a little lost, and yeah. it was crazy, yeah. there was uproar. Yeah. Um, how did you how did you actually get here? I had friends who are pestering me all the time. Come to church, you need to come to church and they come to church here and I was like, I better go to church because I'm tired of hearing them pester me every day. Let's go to church. I'm like, let's just go. And for four years I've only missed one Sunday because I was sick. I've been here every Sunday. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. How uh, yeah. And I cried that day. I cried because I wanted to come to church. I can't, I can't come to church. I'm crying. <laughs> She's like, stay home in bed. <laughs> how has, and, and uh, how has Jesus, not, not, not Wapak Naz, not church. I think we get that confused a little bit, right? How has Jesus changed everything in your life? What are some of those tangible things that you can say, this is what Jesus has done? You I feel alive. Like every day is different. Every day, it is a struggle. It's hard. Every day, he's. I've learned to rely on him. He's one of my best friends. I talk to him. He's there. There's times that I almost picture him sitting in front of me in a pew, and he'll turn around and he'll give me a thumbs up, or he tells me it's okay. Let it let it cry. It's okay. So, and even at home, I almost it's he's there. He's there with me in my home. So, yeah, and my life's more content. I feel more alive. I have meaning every day. And uh, I have my brother. Wow. <laughs> Which brings me to your relationship between before, and we'll get to your story here in a minute, but <laughs> since uh, October of 19, your relationship with your brother, what was your relationship before October of 19? Uh, 
or Dude, November. Just brother and sister, a normal relationship. Like it was like. She man. was mean to me. I, I, I was not mean. <laughs> I did not ever push him down steps when we were younger. I think I did maybe. <laughs> no. But did you? We, we weren't close. really close. We didn't no. talk much. We weren't. No. Okay. When we'd see each other, we'd say hi. We weren't Mm-mm. too close like no. we are now. No. Okay. So. Just want to make sure you're up here. Yeah, yeah there you go. Um, so, Jay, in Jess, you've been a part of Life Group. Actually, you went through an eight-week yeah. Bible study with with Cassie, your yeah. friend, who actually pastored you to come in to Wapaknas. <laughs> yep. You you did that together, and um, in Life Group Thursday morning Life Group at 10 a.m. in the Wynas basement, um, you were sharing a lot about your family and particularly your brother. Um, your brother was going through a rough time and we were praying for yeah. him for weeks, weeks. weeks. Yes. So Jay, um, you came here in November of 19. Can <clears throat> you kind of describe some of the circumstances that led to you taking the risk of coming into this building? Well, my life, uh, I went down a pretty bad spiral. Uh, I always believed in God wasn't that I didn't believe uh, I just bled if, if I did good I'd go to heaven uh, but I I didn't walk that way I turned the other way and went towards evil uh, the leading to uh, things I attempted suicide uh, I called my mom that night uh, I knew I, I knew I, I was why can't I do it? Why can't I do it? I called her. I rushed to their house. That Sunday, I came in here. Uh, man, that just coming up here and I given my life to Jesus since then. I have purpose. You know, I'm here. I, I play music for all you guys, and I love it. I've, I, I have purpose in my life. Wow. And. Uh. You know, I, I'm pretty talented at a lot of things, sports. I mean, guitar, I can play guitar. You guys can see I can play guitar. But before, it was just because of me. Now I do it for him. I do it for God, my number one. Man. You, you and I have gone through an eight-week Bible study together. And, and uh, I mean, our, our Bible studies were like two hours, two and a half hours long because you kept asking a lot of questions and it wasn't eight weeks it wasn't eight weeks it was like 52 <laughs> it was crazy um it, you said you have purpose and meaning when at one point you felt like your life had no meaning and no purpose and yeah. you were to the point where you just wanted to end it yeah it's done um who brought you in my sister and how is jesus on top of that purpose and that meaning how has he transformed um, your heart and your life. I just, you know, the love I have for people. Like, I just, I would never apologize to anybody. I was yep. a hardhead. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but man, my my heart my heart has grown in the last two years. To I never knew I had this in me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and God did it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just to kind of to pull things together here. Um, we were in here on Tuesday evening, and I was sitting around the table. We have at the table communion um, through the week of Passover, 
and it was it was your family, mm -hmm. um, as well as um, Cassie and um, her mom and and Shelby. And as I was praying through, praying over each one of you, I had this realization, and I don't I want you guys to see this trail for a second. Um, Cassie was sporadically coming to Wapaknaz in 2014 or so. Um, but she, something changed and flipped in her. The switch flipped in her, and she started coming very consistently. And then she drug you in. <laughs> yeah. uh, she started serving upstairs, and she drug you into this place. And she, it was a week after Easter, four years ago, you and Cassie knelt at that altar and gave your life to Christ, both of you, yeah. for the first time. Then you pulled in Rhonda, <laughs> and then Rhonda eventually gave her life to Christ, and she has gone through a transformation. Then in November, your brother was just all out in darkness, and you pulled him in, and that same Sunday, both your brother and your mom received yeah. Jesus Christ, and I was sitting around that table going, oh my goodness, all we have to do is invite people to the Lord and he will transform their life. It's not complicated. It's very simple because Jesus does it. Jesus does it. I want to say, um, one, I am always encouraged and challenged, um, inspired, uh, and on my toes when I talk to you too. <laughs> because you're so curious and you ask a lot of the questions that most people won't ever ask um, that we need to be asking about faith in Christ and how this really translates into our life. Yeah. And so thank you for taking the risk and being courageous and stepping into this place with this group of people that are not perfect by any means. Awesome We're not, group awesome. Group awesome. Um, can, we, can we say thank you to them? Thank you, guys. Please don't push her down on the way out. That would be wonderful. So, the resurrection changes everything, folks. The resurrection changes it all. Jesus Christ changes it. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is not an exclusive, uh, exclusive declaration, folks. This includes everyone because we need to think about that in light of for God so loved the world and you were included in the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever, and you are a whoever, believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It was April 11th. 1966, when an infantry company of 134 men were pinned down by 500 Viet Cong. And the firefight was so fierce that they were trying to helicopter out those wounded and injured, the critically wounded and injured. However, the triple canopy over the jungle was too thick and the zone was so hot that the army helicopters 
that we often see in like Apocalypse Now and, and most Vietnam movies, they weren't able to get in. So the Air Force, the HH-43 helicopters volunteered to come in and pull out the critically wounded. And so there was a man, 21-year-old 20, man who was a pararescueman. His name is William Pitsenbarger from Pickwell, Ohio. On his day off, volunteered to go on Pedro 73 to go into the firefight and to pull out the critically wounded. And so this enabled nine men who needed rescuing to be rescued in a matter of three different flights. But at one point, the fighting was so severe that those soldiers on the ground were needing assistance. And so William Pitsenbarger, Pitts as they would call him, he volunteered to be descended 100 feet into the firefight to aid those soldiers putting the critically wounded on the litter to get them out and shipped off to the field nearby. As Pitts was on the ground, fire intensified, and Pedro 73, his helicopter, took on fire, hitting the engine. They began to lose power. And at that point in time, the pilot waved Pitts to get on to the litter. But this man who volunteered to come into the action waved off the pilot to leave him behind. One of the infantrymen, Johnny Libs, recalled, I saw the guy coming down through the trees, and I said, what is he doing coming down here? We were really in a mess on that ground, and he stayed there to help us. At that point in time, Pitsenbarger began to aid those wounded, splinting them, healing their wounds, pulling them out of action. In fact, Navarro, one of the other infantrymen who was critically wounded, he said that Pitts was moving everywhere and he was severely wounded that he couldn't move. Pitts saved his life by covering him with bodies of fellow soldiers so that the firefight could not penetrate that he would be safe. Pitts was seen moving from here to there, dragging bodies, even going beyond the perimeter. He was taking ammunition and weapons to the men so that they could fight even when they couldn't stand. Near dusk, the light had started to fade, and the Viet Cong launched another onslaught on the men. Pitts fought back. He fought back with an M16. He shielded Navarro, and Navarro watched. As he was shielded by those bodies, he watched Pitsenbarger take on fire himself. When the army found Pitts' body, he was still clutching his rifle in one hand and holding his medical kit in the other. And there was a bullet hole in the forehead of his gas mask he was wearing. Daniel Kirby, Company C rifleman from Louisville, Kentucky, recalled, I was stunned that somebody, that somebody was coming down to put themselves 
in that situation. It's hard to believe that someone would voluntarily come into battle and stay with it. Hall said that Pitt's descent into the firefight was the most unselfish and courageous act I had ever witnessed. That thing never leaves my mind totally. He actually gave up his life for the guys on the ground, and he didn't even know them. Navarro recalled he came there to save lives, and that's what he was doing. Folks, Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one that came down into the battle of humanity to change the human heart because he knew that we could not ourselves rescue ourselves. No matter how hard we try, no matter what we do or what we don't do, we cannot change the human heart. But Jesus came down when we desperately needed him. He has come down for you. He's come down for you, that you, your heart, might actually be transformed. Doing something that you yourself cannot do. And I'd ask in this moment that you just bow your head. Close your eyes just for a moment. I'm not going to make it emotional. I don't do those things. You heard the truth today. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And by that truth, that leads to life. He is the resurrection and the life. And I'm asking you today, with your heads bowed, your hearts bowed, are you in a battle that you can't get out of? That you want your human heart transformed shaped something happened in you that you can't do yourself it's very simple you heard the message from Jess and and Jay and how God has transformed their life he changes everything if that's you I'm going to ask that you just pray along with me a very simple prayer it is not the This is just the beginning of the conversation, but this is your time to cross the line of faith. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. That's it. Jesus, I give you my life because, Jesus, you came to give yours that I may have life. Jesus, I give you my life. I've tried it. Whatever I've done, it it isn't working. Jesus, I give you my life. If that's you, if you prayed that prayer, it's very simple. Again, it's, it's just the beginning of the conversation. But if you prayed that prayer and you meant that today for the first time, I'm going to ask that you be very, very brave and courageous and you take the biggest risk of your life right now and you just stand up. You just stand where you are. Jesus, I give you my life. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that you came down. You became like one of us. 
that we might identify with you and that you surrendered yourself and you gave up your life. No one took it from you and you didn't leave it there and you rose from the dead and I praise your name for it. Glory to God. May you change and transform our hearts into your likeness to eradicate the hate, the racism, to step into the gap for those that are voiceless, that need to be heard, to love those that just have not been loved. Help us be loved people, Jesus, loving people to you. We praise you and we thank you. It's in your glorious name, Jesus, we pray today. Would you please stand? We're gonna rock out and celebrate because it is Easter Sunday. And we just wanna praise him as we go out. So would you sing along with us? You may have to advance the screen, guys. There you go.
Thank you for listening to the Wapak Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.